Welcome back, everyone, to our spooky episode of On Campus with Misty. <laughs> I am your ghost, Misty. I'm your co-host, <laughs> uh, David. That was lame. Sorry, me off. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is a spooky edition of On Campus with Misty. And it's episode what? 14? 15? 15. 15. 15. Yes, episode 15. So for this episode, we are going to be talking to a person named Cherie Davis. She has a PhD in... I don't remember what it was anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if she had a PhD. That's yeah, she cool. has a PhD and she owns like a hypnosis clinic or something like that. And she is also what she calls an indigenous medium. So that's like part of the Native American culture. They're also called intuitive people. Um, and yeah, she's going to be talking to us about her abilities and what it's like to live her life, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Have powers. Yeah. Is that considered powers? I would consider it powers. Extra abilities. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's going to be talking to us about that and hopefully telling us some spooky stories. Yeah. That of be cases that she's worked. So without further ado... We'll go right into that interview. All right. So we're here today with our friend, Sherry. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sherry is going to tell us a little bit about what she does and, um, yeah, just pretty much her experiences. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually a behavioral health therapist. I own uh, Northwest Hypnosis and Integrative Medicine here in Clark County in Vancouver. And so I actually got into paranormal investigations mm-hmm. through uh, a group that I started called Women of Intuitive Wisdom. And then I started a paranormal um, investigation group shortly after. And mm-hmm. basically that was producer created because I would have clients that would come into my office for grievance therapy. And often the spirit of the loved one that they were grieving would kind of come with them, you know, so often, you know, their closure would be because I come from over 10 generations of Native American intuitives and mediums, people who are seers that can see things beyond, say, just the basic perspective of life, you know. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, when you have a higher kinesthetic sensory, uh, often people like children who are more sensitive to things, you know, mm-hmm. will be able to sense, see or hear things that most people can't. Yeah. And so uh, often, you know, these uh, loved ones that would appear, you know, with the client coming in for grievance therapy, um, it would give them closure because I would be able to at least relay the message to them about what happened, yeah. um, the questions that they wanted answered, you know, to um, their death, you know, if it was an accidental death or suicide or something else and mm-hmm. they were grieving that person. Um And so then later on, I started the paranormal investigation group with my cousins. And Mm -hmm. so I have about four cousins and then my best friend, Marilyn Lawrence, who is an author and writer and psychic medium. And sometimes she comes with me on missing person cases that we also do. And so often we'll do... 
Oh, gosh, it just depends. You know, private clients. Once in a while, I've uh, done some cases for Monoma County Police, you know, working mm -hmm. on missing person cases as a medium and a seer and kind of reading yeah. the details and things that come up from, you know, what happened to them? Are they alive? Are they mm -hmm. dead? You know, they... Yeah. You know, um, what are the details about how many miles they're from where they went missing, you know, mm -hmm. or are they even in the state, you know, that they went missing in? Yeah. Oh, so you can get like that detailed? Mm -hmm. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah. And That's so because I do what's called a bridge read and then I pray and I do very old school, more native style reading to it. Mm -hmm. And so it allows me to kind of hear and see things in more depth um, when I'm more focused on it. It's kind of like putting yourself in a subconscious trance, you know, where you're able to connect a little bit better to, you know, kind of that spirit world aspect, you know, so mm -hmm. that you can hear, see, and get the feeling of what happened. And and the kinesthetic sensory is more heightened at that time when you put your, you know, you kind of bring your conscious mind out of the way yeah. and allow your subconscious to take over and then allow that higher perception to react so that okay. you can connect to that. Mm -hmm. And so, uh -huh. and that's how I got into paranormal investigations was just through my therapy business yeah. and, and then later developing women of intuitive wisdom. And then we um, have done classes throughout the year and I'll hold like, no holiday things as well. And we teach women from all over Oregon and Washington that come to the meetings. Mm -hmm. We have some men that attend as well, but mm -hmm. women I think are much more open-minded to it, you know, so. Yeah. And more willing to learn, <laughs> He's sorry. He's skeptic. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. <laughs> I want to believe, I just, I don't know, I've never had the experience to For him, he has see to it. really I experience be, something. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For I me, I'm like, I don't really experience. need to directly experience it for me to be open mm -hmm. to it. But for yeah. him, I think he needs to, like, see something see or touch something. I'm, very, no, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm skeptical, but I do want to believe it. Like, I just, I'm just, I just need to see it or something. I don't know. See an experience. Yeah. Well, a lot of people do, you know. Um, it's really interesting. I've had people that say, well, I don't believe or this can't be true or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. And and then anytime that I'm doing the investigations and they're having extreme paranormal activity and they can't explain it, you know, but they're yeah. all kind of like, I'm not quite sure what this is. I don't know if I believe in this, but yeah. I'm willing to at least explore something beyond mm -hmm. what their normal belief would be. Yeah. Uh, only because of the activity that they're having, you know, so. Yeah. See, mm -hmm. if I had activity, then I go, okay, there, yeah, I believe all this. <laughs> yeah. But I've never yeah. had that, though, either, so. I well, think that. small yeah. things, but he's still, like. It's like too small for me yeah. to yeah. brush it as that. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, most people who are kind of sitting on the fence with it, they really need to experience what it's like, you know, in order to really believe you know, or have an experience of some other way. But I know when I started, uh, really, my kinesthetic sensory being much more perceptive and much more mm -hmm. sensitive was when I was 26 and I had a near-death experience on the oh, surgery wow. table. And I was having a tumor removed from one of my fallopian tubes. And, um, and I had died on the surgery table. And I remember mm -hmm. when I was coming back into body, how you know, interesting it was, it was like you're having an electrical shock happening to your system because the spirit is energy, mm -hmm. you know, 
And uh, but I remember what it was like, you know, crossing over, seeing what it was like on the other side, you know, going to mm-hmm. the light and and seeing, you know, my grandparents waiting right there oh, on the wow. other side That's and crazy. all these yeah. thousands of people standing there. And they're so angelic and full of energy and light. And then the creator telling me, so my grandparents taking me over to the creator and he says, well, it's not your time and and telling me why I had to come back. Yeah, I didn't want to come back, but you know. yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you feel like place. yeah, yeah. so at peace and stuff. You I probably know. like I don't want to go back there. No. <laughs> I was even telling him that's hell down there. Yeah. I don't want to go there. You know. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, I've heard like stories, but I'm wondering if you probably experienced a lot more than like the average person that experiences a similar thing, because mm-hmm. usually their stories it's just kind of like, well, you see like, like the light or you see something Mm -hmm. kind of small but they're not entirely sure what it was or anything and it seems like your experience was like oh yeah it's very intense yeah Yeah. I remember you know when I was hearing the spirit you know calling to you and you're going out of body it was very interesting I remember hovering over my body looking down and at myself on the surgery table and the doctors and nurses kind of running around Mm -hmm. and then I remember going through the wall and I was like stuck my hand through it again to look and I was like whoa that was cool (laughs) how did I do that you know and so it was really kind of cool and then floating in where my aunt daughter and my ex-husband at the time that I was Mm -hmm. married to sitting in the waiting room and I'm looking down there and I was like oh she'll be okay he's not an abusive jerk to her like he is to me and I was in a very (laughs) abusive marriage at the time Mm -hmm. so that's why I didn't want to come back I was like oh Oh, I'm living in hell with him I don't want to come back to that yeah and so anyway and I thought oh he doesn't you know, hurt her like he does me, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and he treated her like the little princess, you know, so there's no way, you know, but, uh, but it was really interesting when I came back and the creator saying, um, well, you've got to go back for your daughter and you have greater things to do in life. And mm-hmm. you're going to use these gifts and these tools to help others. And and I remember saying that there's people that they call the chosen ones that get sent back, that you don't really have a choice, that that choice was created for you. Yeah. And when I was coming through the light, I remember spirits saying, you know, the spirits above that were waiting, um, saying, don't look at the dark void. And right. Of course, you know, you're yeah, going to look. Yeah, that's the first thing you do. <laughs> you're going to look. And I was like, ah, oh, don't look at that. So it was uh, really intense because it was like this dark voided space that was in between the light and the earth element. Right. So you have different dimensions. It's the spirit of leaving. Yeah. And so you can either be stuck here on the soul plane or go to the dark void which is right kind of behind or before the light Mm -hmm. and then the light which is really intense you know what sun rays look like when they come down from the clouds and they're so beautiful right Mm -hmm. every time I see those that's what it reminds me of you know Mm -hmm. is when you think about how the sun rays look like when they come down through the cloud yeah it reminds me of that because but only more intense and vibrant in the Mm -hmm. energy but it's very, like, beautiful and peaceful, like what those sun rays look like. Yeah. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so crazy. Uh-huh. Sounds nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds really cool. Uh-huh. It is, yeah. <laughs> and then, um, for those of us like me, I'm not entirely sure, like, what um, an intuitive person is or, like, um, mm-hmm. a medium is necessarily. Mm-hmm. So can you kind of define what those sure, terms yeah. are? Yeah, so like intuitive mediums, they're kind of on a similar but different plane as well. So um, 
you know, like an intuitive has a higher kinesthetic sensory, so they can tap into, say, the energy of somebody or um, the emotional states are much more sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually counsel patients who, or children even, that are what you would call indigo children, right? So they have anxiety, sometimes depression from it, and it's Mm -hmm. caused by the fact that they have a higher sensory perception. And so, and often they're intuitives or they're mediums. And so Mm -hmm. a medium too, they have much more gut instinctual you know, things that go on with them, like they can sense things. Sometimes they can see things as well, or they can hear it. So it just depends. So there's different sensory perceptions, like your, you know, clairsentence, being able to tap into a higher sensory, you know, through the third eye or mm-hmm. pineal gland, for, for instance. So pineal gland kind of acts as that psychic antenna in the brain okay and so when it's active you'll get like kind of like a really high vibrational feeling to it Mm -hmm. when you feel or sense something and the brain Mm -hmm. picks up on those energies that are around you and so um but they're almost pretty much the same thing you know a medium or an intuitive or not i don't really like to call it a psychic you know because that's been so misused for so many years and put in a bad label put on it you you know psychic you think of like those glass yeah, balls, balls and they tell you the future and <laughs> right so, yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> yeah that's true but uh so like a seer for instance is what we would call it in my indigenous culture mm-hmm. and so um you would call it a a seer or an intuitive somebody who has a higher sensory perception of things mm-hmm. and so Often, you know, like, for instance, if I'm doing a reading for someone and or even a paranormal investigation, I'll pray and I'll do a saging ceremony prior and then I'll go into a subconscious trance or state so that my sensory perception is more connected to what I'm focused on. Okay. And that way... You know, everything else is kind of out of the way, right? You know, your conscious mind isn't sitting there overthinking things, you know. Mm Kind of like uh, when I'm training uh, children how to control their abilities. Um, You know, I do what's called a telepathic test. So I'll draw out a bunch of images or things and then I'll think about one of those images and I'll tell them, okay, I'm going to give you three images And I'm going to think of one image and then I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'll just send it telepathically. And every time they get it, they pick it up just like that before I even send it sometimes or I'm thinking (laughs) about it. And I'll be like, wow, yeah, that was correct. (laughs) And so it's because that pineal gland is generally much more active. And so it acts as that psychic antenna or that intuitive antenna, you know, where they're able to sense and have a higher sensory perception of things around them, whether it's an energy or somebody's mood or say they feel something down the road that just happened and they pick up on what that energy just was. Mm -hmm. Or... um, Like for me, you know, um, when I feel an earthquake, my feet vibrate and then all of a sudden I pay attention to it and I can feel what direction it's coming from and where it's at. How crazy. You know, or if there's a storm coming, all of a sudden I'll feel it at the back of my head and my brain will feel like it's vibrating. That's so crazy. Mm -hmm. So everybody has a different sensory perception of what that energy is. You know, the earth creates energy. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just 
we either are not connected to it or we're more connected to it. You know, we have a higher perception of things. Mm -hmm. And have you always mm -hmm. known that you had these abilities or was it kind of like the children that you help where someone kind of coached you or helped you like develop the abilities? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I've always known that I've, you know, had a more higher sensory perception and, um, but it really became more intense for me when I had the near-death experience mm -hmm. and I came back from death, you know, and being revived. And and that's yeah. when things really, really Picked became up. more intense. And, and I was only in my 20s and I thought I was going out of my mind. I didn't even know what to do with it. And I didn't <laughs> yeah. have family yeah. around me, you know. I was living in Illinois at the time and very isolated because I was married to, you know, crazy abusive guy and, yeah and so and people like that will isolate you from family yeah. and friends and you're yeah. kind of alone you know yeah. and so I really didn't have anybody in the beginning to like show me what this was or tell me oh yeah you're not going crazy you know this mm -hmm. is real this is just what happens when you die and come back and your sensory or the brain pituitary reaction changes you know and and so I didn't really experience really getting real training until I was in my 30s. And so when I moved okay. back, when I moved here to Vancouver, mm -hmm. and then my cousin Petra, who is a psychic medium um, here in Clark County, mm -hmm. um, I started taking her classes. And then I started, oh, okay. you know, really it really on. helped me to be able to control it and to work in more depth on how to understand it better yeah. and then use it for yeah. kind of bettering things, you know, and helping other people with that have the same issues or, and it's really not an issue. It's just really about learning how to control it and learning how not to allow it to cause anxiety because it can. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Does it, is it like always turned on or is it something where like you have to be in that trans state that you mentioned? Um, no, it's usually always there. I mean, you can't really shut it down per se, mm -hmm. but you can control it. Okay. You know, so it doesn't allow you to kind of go into an anxiety mode. I remember when I was in my 20s, I would have really bad anxiety because of it, yeah. you know, and I wouldn't know like, oh, my gosh, what was that that I just felt or, you know, yeah. and then feeling something happening down the road that wasn't good. And, you know, and seeing things that most people couldn't see or hear, you yeah. know. I remember one time I was standing in line at this theater and I could hear these people's thoughts and all these spirits around them talk, talk, talk. And it sounded like chatter and it was so intense that I couldn't stand it. I literally got out of the line and went home. I was like, all right, I don't want to see this movie. This is just too much. <laughs> I was starting to have anxiety from it. Yeah. You know? And so I left. I just couldn't handle the, the noise and the energy and yeah. how intense it was at that time for me. And then eventually after I recognized, wow, okay, I could hear people's thoughts and I could see the spirits that are connected to them, mm -hmm. you know, and I thought, am I going nuts or what, you know, and, <laughs> and it was just, uh, but later on after I controlled it and figured it out and started really kind of getting it under control, basically, um, it wasn't so bad, you know, and so intense, but in okay. the beginning it was. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So, like, when you were growing up, like, in school, did it affect mm -hmm. you? Like, I'm sure that you had, like, kind of a different, um, like, let's say elementary, high school, middle school experience than the right. average person would. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. I actually was very shy and not like the popular kid at all, you know, because I was <laughs> kind of stayed to myself a lot. And you'll find that with kids, you know, that often 
will stay themselves are more shy or generally much more intuitively connected, you know, okay. and you'll find that they're much more sensitive to than mm -hmm. most. And so I did experience that. I didn't, you know, I had some experiences with, you know, feeling emotions of others, censoring uh, mm -hmm. uh, things that were going around me or seeing things that most people couldn't see. Okay. But, you know, you couldn't really talk about it back then. In the yeah. 60s and 70s, they would be like, oh, you're crazy. You know, that doesn't yeah. exist. Yeah, or yeah. people, you know, they'd try to medicate you or, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so <laughs> nowadays I think it's a little bit. More open. Much more open and accepted yeah. than even though there's still people that don't believe or, you know, and I'll get people that, you know, I really don't uh, often will talk openly with, like, say, a group or people that I know, mm -hmm. you know, only the ones like my cousins who are also intuitive. Yeah. And then when we get together, we have the greatest conversations, you know, <laughs> because we can be open with each other yeah. and not feel like we're nuts or be yeah. put in a category. Being judged or uh -huh. something. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is there something like I'm a I'm a preschool teacher. Uh -huh. So now I'm wondering, like, is there something like maybe that I should be looking for? Like. Like in a child, like to see sure. if maybe they're having some kind of experience like that. Oh, definitely. Often you'll find that they can be um, very recessed or reserved or mm -hmm. they're shyer mm -hmm. and um, or more sensitive, you know, and often they can have anxiety more often than most kids. Okay. Um, the ones that have higher anxiety usually have a higher sensory perception of things. And okay. so you'll see, or even depression, because it can cause that as well. Um, besides just maybe their environment that they live in, you know, mm -hmm. um, that can also create it. But you'll find that often those type of children that are shy or they have anxiety are sensitives or mediums, you know, or intuitives. Mm -hmm. Or you would call them an indigo or a crystal child. So you'll hear that, okay. you know, term basically. Um, and it's because they're born with that gift, you know, yeah. and so you'll see that often they may struggle a little bit with school, mm -hmm. um, you know, not really pick up on things as easy because their mind is more in a creative mindset, you know, where they learn things through visual audio or um, more creative hands -on. mentalities, yeah, mm -hmm. hands on learning. Mm. And so... I know I was that way growing up, you know, yeah. and, and they often will struggle at things like math, you know, mm -hmm. where they'll do great with art and English and, you know, wordsmithing and things like that, mm -hmm. where their brain just connects more in the art sensory than it does, say, mathematical equations. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah you'll see Something that to keep in children. In mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I'm working with them, I'll just kind of. I guess you never yeah. know, right? Yeah, you don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then also mm -hmm. I wanted to ask, like, do you think it's possible for anyone to develop these things? Because I've heard theories where it's like, um, like anyone can access it. It's just kind of the average mm -hmm. person pushes it away or like ignores right. it or things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and there's also theories where like you have to be born with it. So what is your mm -hmm. opinion on that? Yeah, I think people can develop it and learn how to 
control their sensory abilities, you know. Mm -hmm. So we all have kinesthetic sensories, you know. So whether it's through sight, whether it's through thought, feelings, emotions, or what you would call gut instinct or animal instinct. We all have that, right? Mm -hmm. You know, if something says, oh, this doesn't feel good, you need to pay attention to it because that's your kinesthetic sensory saying, hey, listen, there's something going on. Mm -hmm. Um, But everybody can develop it and learn how to... You know, we all are born with it. It's just that society programs us to believe this doesn't exist, right? Or that it's woo-woo or weird or some other thing, you know, that it's just not normal or whatever. And so, but everybody has, you know, you'll find like children, you know, that are really innocent. They're not programmed to believe that this is different, you know, um, or doesn't exist. Often they're much more sensitive and more connected to what you would call connected partly to the veil, to the spirit world and connected to the real world. But everybody has that ability to do that. It's basically getting that conscious mind out of the way and not second guessing things. Okay. Too many people second guess. And that's why, you know, their sensory, even though they feel something or they might see something that, Oh, what the heck was that? Right. But they dismiss it and judge it or they say, Oh, that doesn't exist. Yeah. And so, but it actually does. We all have the sensory perception abilities through gut instincts or, you know, sensory instincts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I've had like a couple of, of like times, I guess, where it's kind of like a, you just feel it like mm-hmm. I'm not supposed to leave my house today or something. Yes. And then something bad happens. happens that day. Yeah. And I'm like, dang it, I should have listened. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. sometimes like you kind of ignore it and you're like, nah. And then later on, you're like, hey, I remember that now. <laughs> that uh-huh. makes more sense. <laughs> yeah. Because we all have kind of a built in compass, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that guides us and tells us, uh, is this good or is it not? It's just that some people have a more extreme sensory where it's much more connected, much more perceptive. And other people, people just dismiss it or they don't listen to their gut Mm -hmm. they don't listen to what their sensory is telling them yeah i've heard like meditation Mm -hmm. helps you kind of like it does get in tune with it yeah yeah, this is like yeah like going into the trance where you're meditating Mm -hmm. and stuff like that what is the process when you go into that So I know when I'm doing hypnosis with patients and it's helped them develop, even hypnosis can help you develop that kinesthetic sensory at a deeper level than, you know, even meditation. It's very similar to that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, most people kind of uh, think of hypnosis as it's going to make you do something that you shouldn't do. Right. But that's not (laughs) it at all. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not used in that way, you Mm -hmm. know, especially in clinical settings. Um, You're helping people overcome their challenges or emotional states or physical things that are going on with them clinically. Mm -hmm. And uh, but hypnosis, when you go into a deeper trance, you're allowing that subconscious sensory to become more connected and aware. Mm -hmm. And you're kind of opening up that mindset to say, okay, I want to take control of something, right? And eliminate, you know, the bad things, whether it's thoughts, emotional states like anxiety, depression, you know, by telling your brain to awaken certain things like L-dopamine and allowing the, um, you know, the brain chemistry to work a little bit better or be more connected or telling the body to shut off something, you know, like a cancer cell, you know, and telling your body to take control of it. And and mm. so that's more in the clinical setting of hypnosis. But for um, 
you know, heightening your kinesthetic sensory, it can help with that. It can help you develop it and help you control it more. Mm -hmm. And so like for kids or even adults that I counsel that are having a hard time with, you know, their sensory or um, even anxiety that gets triggered by things that they feel mm -hmm. um, or they may see or hear. Mm -hmm. And so hypnosis can help them control that and develop their abilities a little bit better. And then I do what's called NLP, which works with more of the conscious mind. It's neuro-linguistic programming that helps you consciously control things, but at the same time be able to train the brain to be able to... Um, you know, control the outcome of things, you know, so taking control. Would that be like, um, like addiction yes. type of cases? Uh -huh. Okay. Oh yeah. I have quite a few patients that I counsel for addictions, whether it's through alcohol or some mm -hmm. other type of addiction, food addiction. Smoking. Or something. Yeah. Smoking. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, because it's all habit control, you know, it's yeah. about, I always tell them you need to take back your power and, and you know, yeah. and not allow this habit that isn't good for you to control your life, you know? Yeah. And so after, you know, and it doesn't take too many sessions either to really help them overcome these challenges and kind of take back their control over the, the behavior or mm -hmm. the trigger that's behind the behavior, mm -hmm. um, and so it's really about habit control mm -hmm. and creating new healthy behaviors. And that's how hypnosis can help. But it also yeah. helps with, you know, say kids that I counsel with, uh, you know, high anxiety states because they are intuitives or mediums and they sense things. Um, like, for instance, I have a cousin whose son that I counseled for quite a few years that mm -hmm. had, he was a, a medium and intuitive and he could see the spirits and he could hear them. And all of a sudden when he would get what's called a spiritual awakening, mm -hmm. he'd have all these orbs just appear to him all at one time, thousands of them. That's and then crazy. they would just overwhelm him. Mm -hmm. And then his mom would be calling me or texting me in the middle of the night, 11, 12 o'clock at night. Oh my goodness. He's <laughs> yeah. having this issue and running down in the, you know, to their room saying, I can't sleep in my room. There's spirits in there. And then he'd freak out and have anxiety, right? Yeah. So I'd have her take a picture for me and text it to me. And lo and behold, there they all were in the picture. Mm -hmm. And then I would do what's called a bridge blessing to help cross them over. And I would work with him on the phone to, you know, calm down his anxiety. Mm -hmm. And then I do what's called a bridge therapy and I'd bridge it and I'd read it. And then I'd see where his energy was at and see, is there anything unbalanced? Did he just have like a huge shift, which is often what happens with mm -hmm. kids as they go through these intuitive shifts every, whether it's every year, every six months, or, you know, just depends on how their brain is developing. Yeah. And so they go through these huge spiritual shifts often. And like with him, he was having like crown chakra was just wide open. The heart chakra was just intensely wide. You know, mm -hmm. the energy was just projecting yeah. widely. <laughs> and so, and then when she sent me the picture, I was like, oh, he just had a spiritual shift and a spiritual awakening. So, of course, they're going to come to him thinking, you know, here, help, help me. Us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need help crossing over. And they were just mm -hmm. angelic spirits. They were they weren't anything malevolent or yeah, negative, bad. bad. Yeah. yeah. They were just, you know, spirits that saw that, oh, there's somebody over here that can see us and mm -hmm. listen to us and maybe help us cross over. Because mm -hmm. often those spirits can be stuck. 
and often not even know that they're dead, you know. So if they've if somebody's died of a tragic accident or suicide, Something sometimes their spirit mm-hmm. becomes stuck here on the earth. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is there yeah, any case? I know that you um, specifically specialize in like Native American cases, right? Like with mm-hmm. Native American spirits or Native American burial grounds. Yeah. Is there any case in particular that you worked on that really stands out in your mind that was like, like really crazy? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I've had quite a few actually. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, I had a case, and I think I emailed you on this one. It was mm-hmm. uh, a case out in Battleground, Washington, here. And the people had this big, beautiful, like, 6,000-square-foot home, brand new. And it was a huge development, too, a brand-new development. Mm-hmm. And the developer had bought the property from the city, right? And part of the property was actually gated off. And, and I thought, man, it's too bad that you didn't look right next door to where your property was setting. Because if you would have looked across the fence in the middle of that yard, you would have seen the city sign right there saying sacred land, no trespassing. You know, and mm-hmm. so I thought, boy, if I'd seen that, I would not have bought here. Yeah. You know, so anyway, so the developer had, you know, unearthed a burial ground that happened to be sitting in where their backyard is now. Oh, wow. And in the front of the house was ceremonial ground. So you'll often see that a native um, or an oh. indigenous. Sorry. Oh, Give me ahead. one second the camera. Uh, Shut off. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't. Mm. I don't know why. Every 30 minutes. Oh, okay. it does, yeah. yeah. But, Sorry. yeah, you'll often see that in Native burial sites, um, you know, when they unearth it, it disturbs the spiritual energy that is connected to it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, because not always does somebody always cross over to the light. And often there can be fragments of their soul or spirit that could be connected to something that is buried with them, you know, mm-hmm. with their bones or whatever, or things that were buried with them as well. But in Native sites, you know, often, um, you know, We consider them sacred land, you know, because it's people like our ancestors where they're buried, you know, and and there's ceremony that's done for them for three days to help the spirit cross over. Mm -hmm. And so often, you know, that spirit often connects and stays connected to the body as well at times. And so what happened was the developer had unearthed and during the excavation of this burial site, but didn't disclose it, you know, and he pushed it all off and buried it under a big mound of dirt on the backside of their property. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, you know, now it's unearthed, now it's been disturbed, you know, not just the land, but the spiritual soul essence that was connected there with the people who are buried there. Mm -hmm. And so when I read it, it was showing me that it was from, you know, earlier to later, mid 1700s, you know, when that site was there. And that whole land was at one time part of the Kalamah tribe. Mm-hmm. You know, most tribes weren't where they are today. You know, they were removed forcefully by, yeah. you know, the government. And so often you will find that there are old sites that are, um, you know, undiscovered or unknown mm-hmm. because those ancestors that buried their loved ones there many centuries or years ago, you know, it's still there. Yeah. It just often gets lost because of these removals and the yeah. removal act that happened. 
And but with this case, you know, uh, when I went and investigated it, the young daughter um, would always say to her mom, there's a young spirit girl in my bedroom. And so mm-hmm. she would freak out because here was this native girl that would appear to her. And her daughter was a she was a seer. She could see the spirits and hear them mm-hmm. and and had a more higher sensory. At that time, I think the daughter was about 10 or 11 years old. And so she was much younger and more yeah. sensitive to that type of thing. And so that day when she asked me to come out and investigate it for them, they had actually had their minister come out and bless the house. Okay. Well, if it's not done properly and you're just blessing the house and you're not um, with sacred land like that, especially if it's a native burial ground, it has to be dealt completely different than if you just go out and do a standard paranormal investigation. Yeah. Um it's considered more of a sacred site. And then, and with native people, you know, we believe that, you know, everything is sacred, you know, the earth, everything around you, the water, the air we breathe, you know, so it's all energy. Mm -hmm. And, but in those sites, because, you know, the ceremonies that are done that help spirit cross over, they, you know, they uh, bless the ground, you know, the energy is so different in those burial sites than, say, if you were to just go to a non-native burial site. Mm-hmm. And often, so like with this house, for instance, you know, this young girl would always see this young native native spirit uh, the girl was probably about her age that would appear to her mm-hmm. and so when the minister came out and blessed the home it caused a disruption or interruption in the energy and it pissed off the spirits oh. that were there because it mm-hmm. wasn't done right yeah you know and they really kind of didn't appreciate what the minister did and so what happened or what kind of came out of that was all this different paranormal activity so at that time um, it aggravated the spirits instead of bringing peace, peace yeah. you know, and mainly because of the burial site is not blessed correctly or the person doesn't know how to deal with a native site. Um, it can cause aggravation or it can cause more paranormal activity to happen mm-hmm. or even cause a spiritual attack to happen. Oh, okay. And so at that time, you know, I came out and... In their house, they had uh, these big, huge pumpkins. It took like four or five guys to carry them onto mm-hmm. the porch. And they had these beautiful corn stalks all tied up on the pillars because it was in okay. October. Yeah. And so they had it all decorated for Halloween and for mm-hmm. October. And um, after the minister had left, she had left to go get her children. And she had called me because when she came back home, the... Um, Corn stalks were all ripped off of the pillars, thrown out in the grass, and those big, huge pumpkins were all thrown out in the grass. So then I said, okay, well, I'm on my way. Let's check out, you know, don't do anything until I get there. So when I got there, we walked around the house, and they had this big, huge patio furniture that was really heavy. And, you know, you could barely even move the chairs because it was all metal frame, big, heavy Mm -hmm. furniture with the big glass top on it. Mm -hmm. And that whole thing was thrown out and toppled over into the grass in the backyard. And those chairs were heavy. I couldn't even hardly move them, you know. And so I was thinking, wow, you really... We really pissy spirits off, right? <laughs> you know, right? And so then we, so then what I did was a traditional, um, what's called a forgiveness ceremony. So asking for forgiveness, but in those burial sites, you have to ask spirit first of all for permission to be there. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. and to ask them for permission to cooperate with what you're going to be doing for them. Yeah. And so when you're connecting to the spirit, and often what I do is I'll pray and I'll sage and and I'll ask to be able to connect to them and see why they're there, what happened to yeah. them, um, and ask them for permission to do the ceremony for them, to bring mm -hmm. peace or calming and or either help them cross over to the light. And But often what I'll do with native sites is I won't, traditionally always cross them over to the light you know because it's their sacred land it's their home you okay. know and and so you've got to honor that mm -hmm. and often what I'll do is do a peace treaty ceremony so you bring things with you you know whether you're going to bring fruits or nuts and give it back to the earth and okay. uh, either sage or tobacco is traditionally used and then I'll do a drumming ceremony and then I will pray and I'll ask the spirits to join me and do a peace treaty ceremony so that we bring resolution and peace to not only their souls, but to the and then bless the burial site because it hasn't been blessed because it's been unearthed and not dealt with properly. Okay. So then you have to bless the ground. You have to bless the site where they were buried mm -hmm. to bring peace to you know, what happened to them. Mm -hmm. Now, often there was a lot of genocide, wars. So, of course, there's going to be a lot of negative Unrest, energy there yeah. and anger that can be unearthed, you know, from the soul of the spirits that were there because they've already dealt with trauma. Mm -hmm. You know, they've already dealt with many wars of being, you know, trying to protect themselves and their families like anybody would, right? Yeah, yeah. And so even in the spirit world, you can find that, you know, happening where, say, if something has been disturbed or disrespected in, in sacred ways, um, it will create a an anger or disruption in that energy or soul essence that is there. Mm -hmm. And so you have to bless it and you have to do the ceremony in order to bring resolution and peace to not only the spirit soul self itself you know mm -hmm. and the burial site but also to the people that are currently living there so um often what i'll do is i'll have the family be with me during this time and mm -hmm. and during the uh forgiveness and the uh blessing ceremony i'll have them sit with me during this time and we do the sage and the blessing, and then I'll do a drumming ceremony to, you know, uh, honor the spirits that are there. Yeah. And so, but um, I know during that time, the owner had asked if she could have her Rottweiler with us out back. <laughs> and I was like, wow, okay, you know, this, you have to have the right energy and the right intention. And animals sometimes, because they're more perceptive and they can see the energy, they can see the spirits. And so when I was praying and calling to the spirits that were there to make peace with us, mm -hmm. did it turn off? Yeah, it didn't. Once <laughs> it, it turned off. Maybe we have spirits that we brought. <laughs> <laughs> Take them with you. <laughs> I know, yeah. I know, right, right. I don't know, you might experience something. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, but uh, 
But what it, when I was doing the blessing and calling to the spirits to join us for the peace treaty ceremony, their Rottweiler had started growling and it tried to lunge at towards me because all of a sudden there was this huge chief that just came straight up in my face like this. And the young girl, their daughter, could see it. Mm-hmm. Oh my and gosh. she was grabbing onto my sweater, freaking out, going, oh, my gosh, do you see that, Cherie? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, he's right in my face. He's right here. Like, what do you want? You know, yeah. like this. And, mm-hmm. and so then I just had to calmly just breathe and just say, you know, we're here to make peace with you and explain to you what happened. And what he said to me was, why is this lodge on top of our sacred burial site? And he was mad because he's thinking it's a huge lodge that was built on top yeah. of their burial site and that it was all unearthed and everything was, you know, messed up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so crazy. Damn. I can't even imagine. Yeah. I feel like I'd freak out. <laughs> yeah. And it feels like when it's happening, it feels like a like a tornado or wind coming around you when you have multiple spirits that appear or they're in, you know, kind of a fury, I guess you mm-hmm. could call it. And that's kind of what happened. There was no wind that day at all. And then when we were praying and calling to the spirits to make peace and to do this peace treaty ceremony, it was like all of a sudden this wind just came out of nowhere. And it was like a tornado blowing around you. That's so weird that you say that. It just Uh reminded me of like um, when my grandma passed away. Yeah. And like I always tell people the story. I don't even think he believes me. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But I was staying at my cousin's apartment. And I was like sleeping on the couch and then on the other couch was my little nephew. And I heard him kind of like whimpering, like he was having a nightmare. And so I turned over, but when I turned over, she was sitting kind of like on the edge of the couch, like facing him. And then like, just like caressing his face and going like, and I was like, oh, it's okay. Like grandma's taking care of him. So I like rolled back over and then I was like, wait, like like she's gone, right? So I turned over again. And she wasn't there anymore. And then after that happened, the wind picked up like really crazy and you could oh, hear yeah. it like, like, you know, like when it passes through like objects or something, it's like, yes. like it whistles. And then the door was like shaking so much because of the wind. And I was like, yeah, just laying there, like freaking out. Like, oh, God, what is this? Yeah, yeah that's what it's kind of like. Well, like before I came out and investigated that house after the minister had blessed the house, they had uh, it sounded like their windows were shaking like somebody was literally taking their fist and pounding on Mm -hmm. the window and trying to get in or they were angry you know that they did this and and didn't ask for permission to do it Mm -hmm. and didn't do it right at least not in the native way you know yeah and so usually in you've got to respect the cultural sites you yeah. know, and yeah. because each culture is different, we all have different d- beliefs, you know, and yeah. and sometimes I'll work with other indigenous cultures, you know, when they have activity and but then I respect what they're doing. And if they have their certain traditions or songs, you know, they do them and then I just kind of help them with whatever they need help with, you know, mm-hmm. and um, I had uh, one case where um this girl, it, it was a gal that was dating my cousin's son at the time. And she started having all these weird activities happening in her house. And so they, my cousin said, hey, would you come check this out for her? Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, okay, yeah, I'll do it, right? Well, 
um, in native way too, you know, we believe that when we pray and we ask for the soul essence of our ancestors or, you know, a spiritual element that can help us to eliminate or remove something of darkness mm -hmm. from this person's home or might be attached to them, for instance. Um, you know, we'll pray and we'll sage and we'll ask for certain things to happen prior to actually doing the investigation and going okay. out and read it. And I will usually read it and do an a intuitive read before I go. So yeah, that just I to kind of know see. what you're getting into. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, because they don't always give me all the details. And then I need to know what am I really dealing with? Because mm -hmm. I need to know what to take with me and how to deal with it. And I do have meters and things that I use, you know, to mm -hmm. kind of read the energy there. And then I'll go around and read the room psychically and intuitively and see what it is that is actually there, you know. Because sometimes you could pick up, like, say if there's an electrical box that's creating a weird energy off of it. Mm -hmm. It can be that that's disturbing the energy or it could be something else, you know. So, yeah. but like with this house, uh, you know, she had doors and, you know, things flying open and drawers opening and shutting and crazy <laughs> movement and things. Probably not the electrical yeah, box. <laughs> no, definitely not. Not the electrical box in this one. And so, and pictures being taken off the wall and thrown across the room at her, you know, mm -hmm. things like that. And she had a little boy that was about, oh gosh, he, I think was about four or five years old. And he was an intuitive. He could see it. Mm -hmm. And he would tell his mom all the time, mommy, there's a dark soul. There's a shadow person in the corner. And she couldn't see it, mm -hmm. but she could feel it. Yeah. You know, so eventually they hired me and had me come out and figure out what it was and, and what happened was uh, when I came to her house, I could see it in the corner right behind the couch. And so I pointed to it and I said, oh, there it is. It's a shadow person. Thank it's a God. dark spirit. <laughs> and the little boy looks at me and goes, I told my mommy that it's been there all day and she won't listen to oh me. Oh, my God. <laughs> right. And so he finally he grabs onto my sweater. Thank you for seeing it also, because I don't want people thinking I'm crazy. <laughs> and he's only Poor about kid. five. Yeah. And he yeah. was like an old soul. Yeah. He was just this most adorable old soul, per, you know, this kid that was so advanced. And mm -hmm. for a five-year-old, it was like talking to an somebody adult. much more older. Yeah. Yeah. And he could see the spirits and sense them. And, and so I was teaching him how to drum and sage and pray and mm -hmm. teach him how to understand what it is. And so when I saw it and I looked at it and said, Oh, okay. I see what it is and where it's coming from. Well, what happened was the girl's parents were murdered by the nephew and the nephew's girlfriend. Oh, wow. Okay. And what happened was the girlfriend was never arraigned for the murder, but the nephew was, mm -hmm. you know, because she didn't actually commit the act, but she was part of the act because she was there. Yeah. Which was weird that they didn't arraign her for yeah. the murder. Um, but she watched the whole thing happen. You know, and so apparently this girl that was all part of the murdering of her parents um, had sent a, you know, I guess she was into some sort of occultic thing or demonic, you know, oh, witchcraft God. and things mm -hmm. like that. So she had actually sent, weirdly enough, a dead sheep with a blue robe wrapped around it with a note stuck to it with a knife like this in a box to the funeral. Of her oh my mother. Gosh. And then wrote on the note that 
uh, she had placed a curse on her and her family and that this was what the mother was wearing when um, she was murdered. It was a blue robe. That's insane. And so what happened was, so she had this picture that was there of her and her mother at the funeral. And the weird part was, was this dark entity that was attached to the item that was sitting next to that, that Mm -hmm. picture had connected itself to the picture. So there was a, what you would call a shadow person or a dark soul. It's an evil entity is what it is Mm -hmm. that came through this, you know, witchcraft or curse that this woman or girl had put on the family and on the daughter. And so it followed her everywhere she went because it was connected to the picture of her and her mother. Oh. And so when I came, here it was, standing down there in the living room, and the little boy was seeing it all day long, so he couldn't wait for us to get there. He knew we were coming. <laughs> I can't, yeah, I can't. You know, <laughs> and, yeah, he was just like, finally, somebody that Poor sees kid. what I see. Yeah. And, and it was interesting that he wasn't afraid of it like some kids can be. Yeah. No, but because he was an old soul, he was a lot stronger than that spiritual entity that was there. Mm-hmm. And um, but when I started saging and praying, it was interesting. I saw it shoot up the wall, squat right upstairs, knocked into the drawer that was open in the bathroom. And the homeowner was actually using the bathroom at the time. <laughs> and she was in kind of the toilet room that was separate from the sink and the oh, bathtub. Yeah, yeah. So it's all separate and closed off. And so she hears this loud noise, like hit that drawer out there. And there was a lighter in the drawer with some papers and stuff. Well, when it hit that drawer, it ignited the lighter and it popped the top off on it when it ignited and it caught the paper on fire. So now we go running upstairs because I heard it and I saw it go flying upstairs because it was running away from me. Mm -hmm. And it was trying to escape me because it knows, oh. I'm not afraid of you, and yeah. I know how to deal with you. Mm-hmm. And um, so I did what's called, a it's an old uh, Cherokee prayer that you do to call in the spirit animals to help you eliminate darkness or evil mm-hmm. from a home. So you don't always do it yourself. You know, you do through the saging and the blessing. And so what I did was I prayed to ask the ravens and the crows to help me to remove this darkness. So in our culture, ravens and crows are a good spirit. They help you remove darkness and they help you protect, you know, or become protected Mm -hmm. from anything attaching to you or attacking you. And so when I did that and I was praying, I'm standing upstairs with the little boy and he's following me everywhere. And I gave him a little drum and I was like, here, you're going (laughs) to drum with me and I'm going to show you how to clear these evil entities out anytime it happens. And um And so I'm praying and my cousin was standing in the front bedroom that faced the front street and she heard this intense calling sound. And it was just, I should have filmed it, but I don't believe in filming, you know, what I do because, Mm -hmm. you know, to me, I believe that if you film, that it takes a little bit of that soul of whatever you're dealing with and it's in the film, right? You don't want to take it with you. Mm -hmm. And so you want to allow it to cross over or go where you need it to go. And not stay gotcha. stuck here. Okay. And so anyway, uh, so what happened was all of a sudden these crows just came out of nowhere and they were just a huge flock of them. And you could hear them really intensely, too, because oh there were so many of them. And they were flying in this figure eight right in front of the house as I was in the master bedroom dealing with this entity and pushing it out the window to the crows so they could oh, take okay. it. 
And so, and my cousin said, oh my goodness, if you weren't here with me, I would think I'm seeing things, yeah. <laughs> right? And I was like, nope, this is what I asked for, for the crows and the ravens to come and help me to remove this entity mm-hmm. permanently and do away with it. And so right as I pushed it out and I saged and I was moving it and doing what you would call a grid around it so it can't move and you control it. Mm-hmm. And that way it can't attack anyone or it can't um, attack you even when yeah. you're doing the blessing. Because um, sometimes they can. Yeah. You know, so. But I generally traditionally will wear protection stones and sage and herbs that help protect your energy mm-hmm. so that something like that can't attach to you. Okay. But then I also pray and ask for protection prior to going out and doing those mm-hmm. investigations. Yeah. And so as I pushed the thing out, it was really interesting. I'd never experienced it before in all the six years of doing paranormal investigations, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was like as if that thing, when it went out, it looked like a black murky smoke and it just spread out. And you could see these ravens just clamp onto it and the minute it got hold of it they just shot straight up and flew over the houses across the way and because they were so loud and intense all the neighbors across the street were came out into front of their houses (laughs) and was looking up going oh my goodness what is this you know yeah how are you going to explain that to the neighbors yeah (laughs) and so but eventually it did go and that it was interesting because I think the young girl, she was kind of a believer, but kind of sat on the fence with it. And then she got freaked out because I had prayed and I asked her one of the ravens to stay close to the house for protection, mm-hmm. to not allow this to reenter the space again. Yeah. And either send it back to who it came from or send it up to the light and do away with it or take it to the dark void. Mm-hmm. And so it just depends on what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of a random question, but what is your opinion on, like, all of these ghost shows? Like, um, Mm -hmm. shows where paranormal investigators go and they're filming the whole thing, right? And they're, Mm -hmm. like, supposedly contacting like spirits or whoever or whatever's in yeah in that space yeah it's so hollywood right <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's nothing like what you would really be doing you know it's more i think that's more like just for show really you mm-hmm. know because you know i've seen there was a show that i talked about it was out in pennsylvania that was done many years ago And they had these investigators that were going out and they are using their cameras and filming everything, you know, Mm -hmm. where I really don't believe in filming it. You know, when I'm out there, it's a sacred thing and being able to not capture it, you know, on video is important because you can actually take part of that soul with you, you know, or it stays here and it doesn't move on. Mm -hmm. But often I'll find like there was a case in Pennsylvania that they they did a show on I can't remember which show it was it was like paranormal it was done out there they do it in Pennsylvania and oh is it paranormal state yes yeah Uh I think that I remember the in the intro it says that the guy went to Pennsylvania State University or something like that yeah yeah that one (laughs) yeah that's what it was and um, and I remember them. I remember watching this show. It was so weird. It was like the week before I did this uh, interview with this uh, show that was out there. Mm-hmm. And the guy was asking me what I thought about, you know, uh, those type of shows. And we got to talking about paranormal state because the guy was like yelling and he was creating this 
you know, negative energy, which you mm-hmm. never want to do when you're investigating those type of things, because then you just invite the spirit to attack you. Okay. Yeah. And you never want to take anything from a site that you're investigating either, because often there can be something connected to that item that you're taking. And if you take it, you need to ask for permission to take it by the spirit. Mm -hmm. And you need to give something back to that spirit in exchange for whatever it is that you're taking. And so it was interesting. It was actually a house that they were filming. And it was a couple and their young son that had just moved there and bought the house. And it was an old house built in 1923 or something. Mm -hmm. And, um, but thing is the land set right on top of an old genocidal site that happened, you know, a huge war and lots of uh, Native people were murdered, mm-hmm. you know, due to that. And their bodies laid there on that land. It was yeah. just covered and, you know, not even properly dealt yeah, with. Yeah. So there was mm-hmm. a lot of anger there. So what was happening was during this whole show that they were filming, you know, this guy, the you know, guy that's on the film, he's yelling and saying, you know, show me who you are. Tell me who you are. And like yeah. yelling at the spirit instead of actually helping it. Helping it right. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sitting there going, wow, this guy doesn't realize what he's dealing with, you know. And mm-hmm. and it ended up being that, that they were sitting actually on a native uh, genocidal site. It wasn't just a traditional burial ground. It was where people were slaughtered and murdered from many years ago, mm-hmm. you know, 1800s. Yeah. Um, and so, of course, you know, you're going to deal with a lot of anger from that type of situation. And this, and the couple that, you know, bought the home and their young son was experiencing a lot of really bad things. Mm-hmm. And the son was really being affected by it. He, I think it was like 15 at the time. Mm-hmm. And he started to become suicidal and depressed. Oh and yeah. then the couple would argue all the time because those type of energies cause you to argue it caused you to always be in a state of anger Mm -hmm. you know and so when they were filming it and doing that I really don't believe in the way that they handle it they really need to know that when they go out and investigate those sites that that they could be dealing with a sacred site they could be dealing with you know something of you know, that could be negative or they could be dealing with the fact that maybe somebody died in that house, mm-hmm. you know, and their spirit is stuck there. Yeah. And so often they don't. There's only one show that I've ever seen where they actually dealt with a real psychic medium gal that would come out and work with them. And they did it correctly because she would be able to read it for them. And then she would sage and bless and kind of bring calmness and peace to the spirits that were there or mm-hmm. help them cross over. You know, so, but traditionally the ones that do it, I just laugh because, they're like, <laughs> well, if they only knew, you know, and it 10 yeah. times worse, probably. <laughs> yeah. And they make it worse in some cases, you know, not always, mm-hmm. but only because they're not properly handling it correctly. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're just filming it, making it all dramatic. Yeah. yeah. Hollywood. They want mm. something to happen so they could catch it. Yeah. On film. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And if you ever notice how half the time nothing really happens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. I want to 
one of my friends took me on the what was a Portland Underground tour, and they took us on this whole thing. And the guys, and we're sitting in this like dirt basement of this old building, and I'm sitting there going, "Really, we're gonna go down here?" And that's you know, <laughs> I'd rather walk in the buildings and kind of. Yeah. And we're all sitting in this big circle, and he's pretending to call to this woman that he claimed was there. And my friends are going, "Sheree, is this real? <laughs> can you confirm? Yeah, this? can you confirm that this is real?" I was like, no, this is a joke. I can't wait to leave. You know, <laughs> there's nothing down here but dirt. You know, and so, but then when we went out into the parking lot, and he took us to this weird area of Portland where there it was like gang infested and all that. And I'm sitting there going, why would you take us to an area where you're potentially putting us in danger? Yeah, you know, yeah. no. And so I left. You know, anyway, we're standing there. <laughs> And across the street from where we were at in this parking lot, I can't remember, it was it was near Front Street, but it was like on one of the side streets, like second or third, something mm-hmm. like that. And there used to be a old nightclub that was there on that street that we were on. It's no longer there anymore. But when he was walking us through this parking lot, and we're standing there and he's trying to tell these ghost stories like they're real, you know, yeah. and, and I was like going. No, that's not real. That's not real. Yeah. And so you're just doing that for, you know, entertainment. Yeah. And so we're standing there and all of a sudden I see the spirit of this young man who was shot in the parking lot. And oh. he had came out of that nightclub that was closed like two months prior to us being there. Mm-hmm. And um, and I could see he was like explaining to me that he was running out of the nightclub and he was from a rival gang and he was shot and killed in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. No. So then he showed me like the outline of his body lay in there, you know, where it was at. And so mm-hmm. I was telling my friends, I go, oh, if you want to know a real ghost, story, <laughs> you know, here's a young man that died and was shot in the parking lot. And here's body laid right here, you know, and yeah. then I was telling him what happened. And then all of a sudden, the whole group of people that were there for this tour yeah. starts <laughs> surrounding us. Yeah. And I told the young guy, I said, I think I'm going to leave now because this is just not a safe area to be in. And so, and he didn't want us to separate from the group, but I said, oh no, my friends and I are going right now. You can either come with us or you could stay here. And so, because it wasn't a safe area, Mm -hmm. you know, and I couldn't believe they toured us there. And I was sitting there going, this is such a joke. (laughs) (laughs) So, but yeah, that was the only thing that I found that was actually real, you know, because even though we walked through it, but I've been on the Seattle one and that is real. Oh, okay. Uh, The Seattle one really does have spirits that are in those underground areas, you know. Oh, okay. Uh Uh-huh. I went on that one, I think the Seattle underground one, but it was like in the daytime. Oh, So it wasn't really scary. It was just like they were joking around. It wasn't really like ghost stories or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It was more of like a history tour. It is. It's actually quite an interesting and very, you know, uh, intriguing tour, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, It's real, you know. It's not like something that you know they just made up so yeah mm-hmm. yeah well thank you so much for sharing all of that with us yeah and then if there's anyone that would like to contact you or that would need your services or anything like that do you want to let them know how they can find you sure mm-hmm. yeah yeah they can um either call me at 360-991-2619 or they can find me um through my website which is womenofintuitivewisdom.com mm-hmm. and um or they can email me at uh, satori.wa@gmail.com 
Okay. And then do you mm -hmm. have, um, I know you mentioned some events coming up. Um, yeah, I actually am a performer. I perform mm -hmm. uh, Native American flute music and guitar music. And, oh. and I'm performing actually tomorrow, uh, October 20th at the Oxbow Regional Park mm -hmm. with my cousin, Tony Garcia Eagleheart. We perform together all throughout Oregon and Washington oh, nice. and do all sorts of gigs. And, <laughs> you know, and we, we write our own music and compose it. And awesome. um, we're actually working on a new album, too. But tomorrow we'll be performing at the Salmon Fest out in Gresham okay. at Oxbow Park. And right. so we'll be out there from two to four. Awesome. Four. Okay. Yeah. You guys Already. should come. It'll be yeah. fun. Yeah, we should go. Yeah. <laughs> we come down. Probably will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us. That was yeah. very, very interesting. Actually. Yeah. yeah. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having for me. Yeah, you bet. I appreciate it. So that was a very interesting interview. Yeah, learned a, a lot of things about what was it in, in, indigenous, indigenous medium. Indigenous mediums. Yeah. So yeah. That was pretty awesome. It's a nice different perspective. Yeah. And I feel like like I'm kind of like really into this stuff. If you know me personally, then you yeah. know how much <laughs> I'm into this stuff. Um, so it was interesting for me to kind of hear a lot of the similarities between what she said and what like other people have said where like I look up articles or I watch shows or whatever and yeah it was pretty interesting yeah yeah there's like certain things that are the same like kind of like how she's talking about how everyone receives that information differently which is why I wanted to ask her um because I, I've or when I look it up I guess I hear different things from different people and stuff um yeah so yeah. that was awesome that was cool if you're listening to this, I want to go on ghost hunts. I know. We need to hit her up and see if she'll let us go with her sometime. Yeah. I guess it's not ghost hunting. She's actually kicking them out. It's or... ghost liberation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I thought it was interesting that she didn't believe in video recording it. Yeah. And I have heard things like that before. I guess every culture is different where, like, taking a picture or doing a video it's like it traps a part of that soul i guess or something within that footage or something yeah it's different interesting. i would personally i would want to document everything yeah but i mean i guess if you don't care whether anyone believes you or not true it doesn't matter yeah why bother but um <laughs> yeah yeah there's never any good videos of ghosts really there's mm -hmm. stuff, but it's like, eh, there's so many effects nowadays. Yeah. But I mean, even with the stuff that she described, I feel like if I saw that in a video, like, or if you saw that in a video, you being the skeptic that you are, oh, you yeah, could probably no. still find ways to disprove it. Like, I oh, it's just a flock of birds. You like, can. <laughs> yeah. Then you can even have, there's so much editing you could do. Mm -hmm. So it's none of it's really even credible, I think, honestly. Yeah, so you see, it doesn't even matter whether <laughs> you have she to shoots live it. the footage you or have not. To live it or yeah, no not one's gonna, gonna believe you either way. But yeah, I would love, love, love to go on a case or like on an investigation or whatever with her. I would love to do a session with her, but I don't know how much it is. I gotta look it up. She does charge for her services. She is available for hire, so if any of you <laughs> <laughs> would like to um I don't know, have some kind of session with her. Um, her name is Cherie Davis, and I believe she gave her information at the end anyways. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Cherie Davis. She also plays flute music. 
Yes. I heard it. It's very pretty. <laughs> <laughs> I looked it up. It's yeah, it's really beautiful, like Native American flute music. I want to hear it. I'll, I'm gonna listen after this. I'm gonna check it yeah. out. Yeah, but yeah, that's pretty much all we have for you today. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope that all of you really enjoyed that. Yeah, and shout out to Sher- Cherie. Cherie Davis. Cherie. Cherie. I said her name wrong at the beginning. Sorry, Cherie. <laughs> How embarrassing. Sorry, she's uncultured. <laughs> Well, yeah, shout out to Cherie for doing that interview for us. Um, if you would like to submit your own ideas for interviews or topics that you would like us to do, if any of you want to be interviewed by us um, and be in the podcast or anything like that, you can contact us on social media. We have a Facebook page, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter. All of them are on campus with Misty. Or you could email us at on campus with Misty, that's ms.t at gmail.com. We also have a website on campuspodcast.com. Yes, so you can look us up on, um, on that website as mm-hmm. well. And I think that we have like our emails and everything linked up on there. Yeah, you can email us from there mm-hmm. or get our email and yeah, paste it into your email. Yep. And next week for our Halloween episode, we have a special spooky topic that we will be covering. I hope it's as spooky as I'm making it out to be in my head. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so stay tuned for that as well. And we'll be releasing that hopefully Thursday for Halloween instead of Friday. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That can happen. Yeah, it could happen. (laughs) But everyone else is always making us fall behind, David. Whatever. But yeah, anyways. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening and happy spooky season. Yeah. Bye.